Chapter 21 of Dave Dashaway Around the World by Roy Rockwood. This is a LibriVox recording, and all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 21 War. What was that, Dave? asked Hiram Dobbs. War replied the young pilot of the comet, and he used the word very seriously. We have taken the wrong course, but there's no going back now. The champion biplane was sailing over a broad, deep valley two hours after dusk. Everything was in brisk, going trim. The days that had elapsed since the rescued captive Morris Dean had been cared for by the young airman had passed pleasantly. They had crossed Russia, had reported at Tehran, had seen some of the wonders of Arabia, and now were traversing Turkish territory. The affairs of young Dean had been adjusted with supreme satisfaction for our hero. It warmed his loyal heart to think that through the unselfish efforts of the crew of the comet, the brother of Edna Dean was now speeding safely and comfortably on his way to those who had mourned him. The traitor friend of Adrianovsky had done everything in his power to make sure the homeward journey of the fugitive. The young airman had insisted on paying him liberally for his cooperation. He had arranged so that Morris Dean could be provided with money current in the different countries through which he must pass. The trader was to convey Dean out of Tibet, concealed in a cart carrying merchandise. He was to be provided with a disguise. Until he passed the Russian frontier and was placed upon a train bound for St. Petersburg, two trusty agents were to accompany and protect him. The boys felt happy over all this. They had lost little time and gained some experience in doing a humane act. Then the regular schedule of progress was resumed. Now, as noted, Hiram had put a startling question. The pilot of the comet had responded with an ominous assertion. When Hiram had asked, What was that? A sudden glare in the distance, followed by a harsh detonating crash, had caused his sudden query. Our hero had explained that it was war. He intimated further that this was a possible menace to their expedition in that they might not retrace the route they had come. "'I hoped to keep out of the Turkish trouble,' proceeded the young airman, "'but we must take the edge of it, I fear. "'You know we passed over a great military camp just before dusk.' "'Yes, and they sent a brisk volley after us,' reminded Hiram." "'Without calculating the way the comet can fly,' added Elmer, with a chuckle. "'We had better keep a pretty high level just the same,' observed Dave. "'I will be glad when we get out of these intricate mountain ranges. "'Then we can see what is ahead of us and get our bearings.' Just then another explosion sounded. It was mingled with a series of minor reports 
echoing from past the ridge of hills to the east. That sounded like a powder mill blowing up, followed by a lot of musket shots, suggested Hiram. I have no doubt that it was a bomb, replied Dave. Fighting is going on somewhere beyond us. For some time, echoes of near explosions reached the airship boys. Then there was a lapse into silence. The contour of the country changed and the hills lessened, and at length a level expanse spread out before them. They could make out lights scattered all over the area. Here was a settlement, beyond it a town. Then in the distance they noticed what the young aviator decided to be a camp. Still farther beyond, flashes and booms apprised him that some kind of combat was going on. "'We had better get out of this,' remarked the young pilot. "'Oh! Oh!' fairly shouted Hiram in spellbound wonder. Of a sudden, from the direction of the camp, there shot up a broad, dazzling beam of radiance. It moved steadily, broadened, and began to sweep the western horizon. Slowly traversing the sky, the sharp rays focused upon an object speeding through the air. A further sweep and a duplicate for just an instant was framed by the piercing glow. A searchlight, cried the startled Elmer. And two airships, added Hiram. Dave, what are we going to do? The young airman's active brain was busy. He fancied he took in the situation. They were passing over a camp. Ahead of them was a walled town now being attacked. The two airships to the west were probably bomb-carrying machines stealing over the enemy to drop death-dealing projectiles into the midst of their camp. Dave! whispered Elmer, almost too excited to speak. We have been seen. This was true. A lateral sweep of the searchlight brought the comet into clear view. The operator of the great eye of radiance focused the piercing rays directly upon the comet. Then, sweeping along, for an instant only, they showed an airship almost directly over the craft of the young aviators. "'Another one!' cried Hiram sharply. "'Ugh!' he shivered. All hands felt a jar, an impact. They heard a distinct whiz. "'Something was dropped!' pronounced Elmer hoarsely. "'There!' Directly beneath them some descending object reached the ground. There were a thousand darting sparks of fire, then a tremendous boom. "'An airship from that camp!' said Dave rapidly. They took us for one of the enemy. We must get out of range. Hold steady, fellows. The pilot of the comet knew that the moment had arrived for prompt expert tactics. There might be as swift machines as his own among the warcraft in action, but he doubted if any of them was constructed to take the higher level the comet could attain.
the machine made a superb shoot on a sharp tangent its progress was so rapid that it almost took away the breath of the excited crew again the groping searchlights sought to reveal the situation aloft hurrah safe beat they're not even in the race crowed the jubilant elmer the sweeping glow showed the machine that had dropped a bomb towards a supposed rival fully a thousand feet below the comet. Now its pilot put on full speed. Out of range of camp, town, and the firing limit, the splendid biplane sailed. Two days later, none the worse for their unique experience, the airship boys arrived at Cairo the comet seemed to be no particular novelty to the crowd which greeted its arrival in the centre of a great public square they greeted the machine and its crew however with cheers dave left the machine in charge of his assistants who were kept busy answering questions from the curious bystanders it was nearly an hour before dave returned he arrived seated on a wagon containing new fuel and food supplies for the comet. "'Going to make any kind of a stop here, Dave?' inquired Hiram. "'Not a minute longer than is necessary,' was the speedy reply. "'We are third in the race, fellows, and that means no delay.' "'Yes!' nodded elmer excitedly a man in the crowd speaking english said he knew we were one of the machines in the international race and that two others had reported here at cairo and had left again that is true answered the young airman number seven is three days ahead of us number eleven six hours help get things in order fellows we can't afford to lose any time now when the comet started up again the cheers and good wishes of the crowd were renewed dave made a fifty-mile run came down in a lonely spot and at once brought out the route charts look here fellows he said his finger tracing a course across the map there are three routes to choose from from morocco the azores or senegal the cape verde islands st paul island and cayenne those are the routes most talked about at the start they are favored because they are the farthest north and the most direct i have a better at least safer idea i'll warrant you have dave if it's to be found declared hiram what is it inquired elmer the objection to those routes explained the young airman is that the water stretches are of wide extent what i dread most is the fear of being caught away from land is there a shorter route than those you speak of asked hiram yes there is asserted dave what is it egypt the sahara desert the french congo Ascension Island, St. Helena, Trinidad, Rio de Janeiro, and we are on American soil. Capital, cried Hiram. I wouldn't lose an hour, Dave, 
advised Elmer with real anxiety. Ever since we found out that there are two of the crowd ahead of us, it seems as if I'd be willing to sleep in the seat in the machine all the way to get ahead of them. It was a warm, clear day when the comet came to a rest at the city of Miamlia in French Congo. Looking back over the ten days consumed in making the run across Egypt, through Fazan, the width of the great desert, over darkest Africa, and into the Sudan, the airship boys had viewed a country never before thus inspected by an aerial explorer. Baked, boiled, and soaked, was the way Hiram put it, good-naturedly but very grimly. And sandstorms and deluges, added Elmer with a grimace. The flight had certainly been a hardy but instructive one. More than once, the adventurous young aviators had a thrilling experience amidst unfamiliar air conditions. Twice they had been discovered in temporary camps by natives. The watchfulness and skill of their pilot had baffled efforts at capture. Just a think, said Hiram, gazing longingly at the ocean. Just a bit of water to cover and we're on home territory. Yes, smiled our hero. It looks nice and easy on the map. Remember one thing, though, fellows. Here at Miamlia, we take in full supplies. The food and fuel will be easy as far as Helena or Trinidad. Between those points and the final flight to Rio, though, the gasoline supply is what we must look out for. We're going to make it. I feel it in my bones crowed the optimistic Hiram Dobbs. End of chapter 21